Grab Podcast. To what do I owe the extreme pleasure of this surprise? Episode number seven. Today we've got on Colin White. He's the owner of Vinyl Revival in the Northern Quarter in Manchester, which is both a record store and a record label. And today's episode is sponsored by our own Double Good Garments brand, which is our very own electronic music-inspired clothing range. And you can check us out at doublegoodgarments.co.uk. Let's get this podcast going then. Hello, Colin. Hi, Craig. Hi, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad yourself. Yeah, not too bad, yeah. Before I start, I mean, I usually ask everyone who comes on here just to see what they've been, you know, how you're keeping busy during the lockdown and, you know, handling it. Um, first week was um, pretty good. It was like relaxing for a while. And then I had an idea as well after the first week of uh, to raise some money for the NHS. So I designed a T-shirt, um, spotted the significance of the uh, the gap of NHS in the word Manchester. So it was like perfectly spaced. So we designed a T-shirt on that. And then we've got, we've done about 700 of it. I've seen that one. I didn't. Is that yours? I didn't realise that we yours. Yeah, yeah. there's a couple copied it already. You know, it's one of them. We've had some quite famous people wearing it: Peter Hook, uh, Anthony Crawler, um, Bethany Sowerby, the big sort of model from Manchester. So yeah, it's it's gathering momentum now. It's starting to pick up a bit. Is that the same so one that, that uh, Rowetta's been wearing? Is or is that someone else's? There's a couple copied us. Um, I came up with the idea at the end of March, and we copyrighted it early April. Um, but when United shown the NHS highlighted on. You know, outside the ground. Yeah. Um, in Manchester, we we knew it to give other people the same idea, so we had to sort of launch it. And um, but yeah, we we we're doing okay with it. So that that's kept me busy. Um, you know, I, the shop being short, you know, I'm doing slight little bits online, but nothing to get a wage out of, or to you know, to pay any bills, sort of thing. It's just some bobbing to the shop every now and then. But apart from that, it's just mainly DIY on the house. Yeah. Well, have you not been getting many like online sales and stuff like? That? Have you not been cracking on with that or? Now, my shop, I've always kept it more as how I'd want a record shop to be. You know, you want to go in there and find the stuff inside. You don't want to be thinking, yeah. oh, I'm going to put in all the good gear online. So I've always worked like that with the shop. So we do very little online. Yeah. And just in case there's anyone who doesn't realise who you are, so you run Vinyl Revival, which is in the Northern Quarter in Manchester. Um, you've had 20-plus um, years in business, though. Yeah, 97. Um, opened up. I, I wondered how, um, how it kind of all started for you. You know, where did, where did it begin? Well, I used to work on a record store on all the market in the 70s um, when I was about 11 for a couple of years. My dad had a store on there um, and a few other markets in the north of England. Um, I got a sort of job, left school, got a job, and I worked for a windscreen fitter for years, but I just got bored. Um, so while I was, obviously I was on the road a lot, you know, repairing you know, cars. So I used to pop into charity shops, um, you know, or flea markets, anything, you know, old junk shops. And just used to start uh, buying records up, you know, in, in numbers, buying boxes. Uh, and when he had enough, um, I thought he had enough to open a shop. I opened up a little place in a place called the Emporium on Oldham Street, which is a bit like Affleck's Palace, really, like yeah. a smaller version of Affleck. And I was in there for a year. And then that premises come up on Hilton Street. I think it was 98. So I moved into that. Been there soon. I've been into your shop and I, I saw that you had some like Marcus Reed designs and stuff like that. I just wondered... Besides just the music, what else do you sell in there and, and what other kind of uh, artists do you work with? Well, with, with the decline in sales when sort of um, 
online technology increase, you know, with streaming and downloading, it, it was a big decline in, in, in sales, I thought, you know, especially, there's always been a healthy second-hand market for vinyl. Yeah. So when we had to diversify, um, I'm going back 12, 13 years. So I got into that memorabilia stuff, T-shirts, posters, um, you know, when I'd, if I'd spot a certain artist online, I think oh, that that'd go well in my shop, but you know, hence that's where we go in touch with people like Marcus Reed. I think we're the only shop in the country that sells this stuff. Uh, people like Stanley Chow, um, you know, we, we steady with his stuff. I'm trying to think of the guy from Sheffield as well, just like the cartoon type stuff. Pete McKee, we do Pete McKee. We used to do Pete McKee stuff as well. So oh, we yeah. try different things all the time. Yeah, it's good his stuff. Oh, it's really well, doesn't it? Oh. Well, did he design for him now, Pete McKee? I've seen a few. He's, he's done quite a lot of famous work, hasn't he? Yeah, it's, it was about eight years, ten years ago. He had an exhibition in Manchester, and we used to do quite a bit of his stuff then. But, um, you know, it's the Marcus Reed stuff outsells anything, you know, anything else. He, he's really uh, got an eye for illustration, you know, and mixing it with the lyrics as well. I think that's the key. And it seems to be uh, the winner for us. So we've just kept with that one for a long time now. Yeah, I've seen you do, you do quite a lot of t-shirts as well in there, don't you? When we nipped in, you said they do quite good as well. Yeah, especially well, obviously through the summer months. But we do, yeah, we do what we tourists on t-shirts. You know, anything Manchester related, all the Joy Division, Smiths, Stone Roses stuff. What were your music like influences growing up as a child? Did you did that have a big impact on you for getting into music? Yeah, probably. Um, I had an older brother. Uh, I mean, in, when I first got into music, it was probably influenced by my dad, which was listening to rock and roll, fifties rock and roll, and do what. Um, and then my mum's influences were stuff like Carol King, Jimmy Ruffin, Fleetwood Mac. And then I had an older brother who was two years old who got into punk. So, um, you know, introduced me to bands, you know, like the Pistols and, and Jam. And so, but I'd say the real part I really got into music was probably a post punk scene, you know, bands like Echo and the Bunny Men, Sea of Explodes. Um, that sort of period for me it was late 70s, very early 80s. Yeah. You've known quite a lot of people within the music industry, and I just want to bring up that your your best mate was Craig Gill. It was the it was the Inspiral Carpets drummer. Yeah, yeah, we grew up with Craig. He used to live around the corner, so we knew Craig from when he was about twelve, thirteen. He took his own life, I believe. I just wondered, did it kind of inspire you to to get more involved in music? He... But, to be honest, Craig inspired me to sort of learn to play the drums. He gave me his first ever kit, um, so you know I became. So I, I had a little band going after that, you know, and I played places like the Hacienda with my band, which would never have happened if, if we wouldn't have known Craig. So it's weird how these people you, have, you meet in your life have a knock-on effect. Uh, and Craig worked for me for a while when the carpet scrubbed. up. He was out of work, so I would give him some time in the shop. Um, but, yeah, we'd already passed that. You know, it was quite late on in life, really, when he took his own life. So, you know, we'd all sort of settled down, got families. and we'd, So we didn't see as much as each other. But, yeah, he was always a good friend of mine. Was that your band? Was it the High Society, the band that you? Yeah. You just did um, was it a few years ago with the, the reunion? You did a like an event. Yeah, it was twenty. It was sort of twenty years since I opened the shop, and twenty years since you know we played our last gig. So I just thought it would be nice to sort of mix it too. So we hired the Ruby Lounge, got another old Manchester band back together called One Summer, which was two original members of the High, um, and an up and coming band called Dirty Laces as well. So we could put them on the bill. So, yeah, it was a good night. What was it like um, playing the Hacienda? Um, it was like a dream come true, really, because, I mean, that's where I'd spent most of my late teens, um, you know, at weekends, even during the week. It was always at gigs. They asked midweek. We, we've, got, we've got a new night on a Friday night. You know, it was, it was a place to party back in them days. 
So yeah, it was. Um, so it was not ninety-seven. So it was. I'd sort of stopped going on about nineteen ninety-one. It sort of burned itself out a bit. I thought it was becoming more diluted. The club nights, um, and I got more back into indie music. Then I was in a couple of bands for a few years, and then we played there in ninety-seven, just before it shut, which was, you know, I think it was in the March, and it closed in the June. So we got we got we just about snaked in. What was it like growing up in Chatterton then? Because I know I've, I've spoken to uh, obviously someone who knows you, and he said just just ask him what it was like growing up in Chatterton, you know. Yeah, no, I, I loved my childhood in Chatterton. I was, um, I mean, I was born in Ardwick, and I think we moved to Chatterton when I was about nineteen seventy, so I would have been about two years old. But you know, great school, great social life. You know, growing up in the seventies and early eighties, he was never in the house. You know, he was constantly out. So yeah, a lot of good friends I was still see from you know I grew up with. I feel sorry for kids nowadays. Me, that they, they, they never seem to go out, do they? They just stuck on social media all the time. Even um, oh, my two are the same. Never, never leave the house. I know it's like I mean, I, I was like a, a teenager in the nineties, but even then, I mean, at the time, if someone had told you about the technology, you know, if someone had kind of a, was a mind reader and said that you know in the future you're gonna have all this technology, at the time you'd have thought, great, you know, I'd love to have that now. But looking back, I'm, I'm thankful for that we didn't because we just the stuff you get up to and the. Like you say, I was being out. The technology was coming through with things like Atari, I remember, in the 70s. And even after an hour or two, you got bored. You wanted to be outside. Yeah. You know, and it's they've got that sort of mentality of, you know, not being in the house and getting outside in the fresh air and, and staying out. It just it doesn't appeal to kids anymore, you know. I don't know. I know. Being brainwashed by technology. But, you know, it's like we might see, they very rarely go out, you know. Weekends, <laughs> maybe, that's it. But midweek, no. <laughs> it's, it's it's bad really, isn't it? But it's just the way of the world is now. Um, you must have seen like huge changes in, in the northern quarter over the time that you've uh, you've been there. I just wondered if you felt that it's for the better, or you know, how do you feel about the future and, and going forward in that area? Well, when I moved in, um, I think it was '98 into the shop. I mean, now it was it was growing. It was sort of um, you know, it was quite run down still. It was it was a rag trade area, so everywhere was like clothes wholesalers and. Um, there wasn't many retail. The Athletics was probably the only place that people attracted people in that area. You know, it was quite big in the eighties when you had like Identity on Oldham Street and Vinyl Exchange open, but never seemed to get to Stevenson Square. That was still classed as that. But I've, so I've seen it grow. I think there were three bars when I opened up in ninety eight. There's about forty now. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the negative side of it is uh, the rents have increased dramatically. So the only places that can afford the rent now are sort of restaurants, bars, you know, things which are real high-end profit, you know. Yeah. And I've seen very few small businesses come into the area uh, other than barbers, bars and restaurants. I know I had um, like a store in the Athlex Palace for a, from about 2012 for about a year and it was like they weren't really trying to push the place, if you know what I mean. It was... I think, I think the, the mentality of Athlex is it's got the reputation, it's been there since the 80s and everyone knows it you know and it's it's not really true and I do get a lot of stories coming in my in, in the shop asking where Athletics Palace is so they've heard of it but they don't necessarily know where it is yeah I mean what I found when I was there it wasn't that they didn't know where it was a lot of people would come in and say I didn't even know this place was open anymore I thought it shut down that, that's why I pulled the, the story there at the end because I thought well you know I mean a lot of people do know where it is but if, if the, the amount of people that came in and said that was shocking really yeah and I know it's quite um, quite strict rules, you know, regarding opening and closing. And, you know, if you don't open, you get fined. Yeah. 
you know, it's, it's a bit... Um, yeah, that was a that yeah. was a tough one, that. I don't live under the anti-for rules, and that's why, you know, I'm happy to have uh, the independent shot. But, I mean, my, I think my lease is up this year, though, so it's due for renewal. You know, so I don't know what's going to happen. It's one of them, it's, you know... And I remember you mentioning that when we uh, when we when we called yeah, in. The landlord thinks it's, it's the rent should be good to you know a much higher price than what it is. You know, I would have to think twice about maybe you know going into different avenues. Really, I mean, because I run a label as well from the shop, which I do more as a hobby. Um, we put about two or two releases out a year. Um, but you know, I'd, so I'd probably like to get more into that. Really, I think is uh, is, get, is get the label going and and not have to you know do the nine to five shop opening hours on Saturdays. So but you know for the, and we're being closed down, you know, I think trades gonna be really quiet up until Christmas, I think now. I so said it's people are gonna be very cautious about coming to a city centre. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Have you got some bands on the label? I didn't I didn't realise that you had a label to be honest with you. What 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 is it? What's it called? It's Vinyl Revival, it's the All right. Um we we put a lot of unreleased stuff out. You know, I did two compilations of obscure Manchester punk stuff that's both well, probably on the third pressing of each one they've sold really well um, we put um, a local, couple of local band stuff out, even bands like B-Movie, if you remember them 80s sort of synth band we put unreleased stuff of theirs out, I've just, last year I did um, Booker T and the MG's uh, rare French sleeve on 10 inch green or green onions on yeah, green vinyl. Yeah. So we do, we do quirky little things like that. And this year for Record Store Day, we got the Martin Hannick sessions from the high. We put that out. And also a Marquis 10 inch on red vinyl. So yeah, it's mainly reissue stuff or obscure stuff. Yeah. And it's moment in town working on a compilation of obscure Manchester bands from the last sort of 25 years. I bet there's some good, there's some good bands in that, won't there? Yeah. I mean, there's always good bands that. You know, there's great bands now that you probably never make. You know, it's, I always say it's like footballers. There's thousands of good footballers out there, but how many actually get to the top of the, you know, get to the top of the game? You know, yeah. it's, it's probably a similar thing with bands. You know, it's, you know, you can all watch a good band every night of the week, but whether they, you know they get past that is a, it's a bit of luck, I think, as well. I knew you know. Yeah, I think it's a lot of luck to be honest with you. Like I say, there's always good bands. I don't know, like just local lads who've been in really good bands, but they just never got that break. So yeah, so I tried to pick out the best of them that I've heard, you know, over the last twenty years, and we'll just we'll just sort of finish this compilation now, which, you know, was all record store day should have been and gone, and so I should have had the funds back in for my last releases, which would have paid for my next release, but obviously everything's on hold at the moment. So yeah, growing up, you're into acid house. Uh, just wondered what were your, you know, your experiences with that, and obviously the Manchester scene. Um, I just thought it was a great time to be alive. It was quite quite a blur for a lot of people, I think. Um, but you know, just the, the the music, you know, mixing with sort of the the stuff coming over from Chicago, you know, the house music, mixing with the good indie bands in Manchester, it just seems to fuse. And the perfect place it fused was at the Hacienda, which was like it was like a cathedral, really. If you know, if you're not, if you're not religious, it was like the nearest thing you probably get to religion. You know, going there on a Friday night. <laughs> we had um, you know, Suddy. We had it. We had him on one of the episodes, and he had a great story about when he they were kind of doing a promotional um. Some kind of crowd. They were recording the crowd or something for the um, hardcore uproar track, yeah, and um, <laughs> he said that the as he was packing the stuff away, a, a riot started. And the one that kind of you know stopped the uh, the raves it was like at the time, and it's just a you know everyone seems to have those stories from that that era. Oh yeah, there was always something. Going on. There was always something to do. Um, 
you could club it five nights a week in Manchester in them days. You know, there was a good night on it nearly every night of the week. It was. Uh, Did you go to any of the Blackburn raves or anything like that? Um, no, I went to um, the Rochdale one, Joy. Um, it was more for the, the the club thing, and it was always we never went home. So because the club used to shut at two o'clock then, but so it was always a party after. You'd always end up in Burnage or Hume or you know back to someone's house till the early hours of the morning or. Craig's was one of the, that was usually a party house as well, Craig Hill, we'd, we'd end up back there sometimes, you know, till the early hours of the morning. Was your mates with it, was it um, Scott McLeod, was it? I grew up on the same street as Scott McLeod. Did he get the gig for the, the bass player in Oasis, but then kind of... He did, yeah, he was in the band called the Yard Yards, he was another good band who, who never really did anything. Um, what was the story became, with that? Uh, sort of a couple of members then became Proud Mary. He was signed to Noel Gallagher's label. So, right. you know, there's always a link. There always seems to be a link in Manchester. Um, so, yeah, Scott, um, obviously their bass uh, player left. And Oasis had actually supported the Yards at the Hurricane Club in Oldham, um, which is a gig we went to. It was probably about the third or fourth Oasis gig. Um, so that's where the connection was. So, yeah, obviously, the um, you know, uh, Gwigsy left. So they got uh, Scott in. It didn't last long, I don't think. But, you know, it was... Uh, I don't, don't, don't know why, no. Yeah. <laughs> One video, you know, a few dates, and then I, th- I don't think, it, I think he thought, it's not for me, this, this lifestyle, so. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that you're big into the uh, United States. I just wondered, you know, have you been there and what kind of stuff are you into? Well, yeah, I mean, good if, if it was, someone said, could you, you'd like to go back to a place in time, I think it'd be America in the 50s when rock and roll hit. Um, I think that was probably my first love with America because it's obviously the first bit of music I got into. But just everything about it, how, how fashion started, you know, the cars. Um, but obviously, two kids, Disney. There's another big draw, you know. So, <laughs> um, but just, just I like New York, my favourite city. You know, it's there's a, a, quite a number of draws for America. Uh, so I've not been to. With having two kids now, which usually every two years, we don't go to Spain or anywhere. We usually go to America now. Would you say you take a lot of influence from there still now, or is it just the you know the, the of a certain era, like you said, rock and roll? I think it's a certain era. It's probably the fifties and then the punk era. Um, you know, after that, I think you know musically, it's uh, I think Manchester's probably as good as anywhere. Yeah, New York's kind of lost its edge on it. You know, like the. I think it's yeah. It's there's a lot of money coming to places like New York. You know, used to you you know you wouldn't even go to Brooklyn, um, places like that. You know, twenty years ago, and now it's. You know, it's uh, even Greenwich Village. You know, last time I was there, 15, uh, when I used to go there 10, 15 years ago, record buying. Uh, it was all sort of run down. It's all gentrified now, you know, where you get all second-hand record shops, all clothes shops. It's all like aqua scooter and, you know, it's all, it's all changed. I suppose it's like a, the Northern Quarter on a, on a kind of a, sm- a smaller scale, what's yeah, happened there, isn't it? It's in London. It's, you know, it, you, what you get is small businesses, you know, put money into an area. You know, build it up and then get pushed out by the people we want to. It seems to be the same pattern all over the world. Yeah, I always remember the. Do you ever, do you ever watch any football? Like travelling away, when you did, you ever go to the uh, the Flying Scots Bar at King's Cross? It's no, like, it was basically like this little seedy pub. It was like a strip club, and it was like really famous. All the football fans used to go there all the time because it's kind of like straight off the off the tube, and then it's kind of the. And even that now has been turned into some kind of like fancy wine or gym bar or something, and it's just it's sad, really. And you know, it was. And what's happening all over, like you say, it's uh, no well, one. It loses it, it its identity, you know, and it's, I mean, the Northern Quarter's probably still got it, but for, I'd say another 10 years now, it's just going to be, 
you know, Costa Coffee's going to be there and, you know. It's sad, um, really. It's really uh, sad to see. Stuff. It's inevitable, you know. You, you always seem to get it. it. It does happen, you know. You know, Because already town's moving into sort of Ancoats where you've got the Seven Brothers Brewery and, you know, Cancel the Restaurant and the Pizza Place, you know, that's opened up. And that's sort of like the new Northern Quarter now already. Yeah. You know. Do you think the internet and things like that have had an impact on that as well? Because I know there's always going to be room for, for like pubs and bars, but even like pubs now don't seem to be as popular, do they? It's like these like wine bars and cocktail bars. Yeah. And... It's sort of like little microbreweries popping up, you know, and obviously, you know, with the pub industry though, I mean, they ruled it for so, you know, surprising how they ruled it for so long, you know, where you were, you were, you were, you were told really what beer, what beer to drink, you know. There's so many pubs, we just so many now. So I think it's a good thing, though. Um, you know, it's weird how, you know, everyone's drinking pale ale again. You know, all the girls are drinking gin again. <laughs> you know, it, it, I think it needed to shake up the industry, but it's, um, it, but it is, that's what all seems, it just, it just seems to get saturated straight away. And that's what seems to be happening to the Northern Quarter now. It's loads of little bars, you know. The real little things, it's, it's, it's gone from being like the, the old men drinking bitter. No, it's kind of like middle class, a lot of it. It's like the, all these craft yeah. ales and. It's, you know, it's, I never thought we'd catch up with London prices on alcohol in Manchester, but we have done. Though. To be honest, some bars are overtaking it. I know, yeah, I paid six quid in a few pubs. That was I've not yeah. been not drank in Manchester for a few years, so it might be even more I expensive. Barmers, it would have said it was a five out of five. <laughs> it's a norm now. You're paying. We've got even like little coffee shops, so you're paying six pounds for a bar of chocolate in the Northern Quarter. It's crackers. <laughs> you said you're doing. You promoted some events back for your band. I just wondered, have you got any other things planned like that? Any any, any events? I, I tend to get an idea, and then I sort of stick with it and work on one, but. Because I've, I've done a few, but there's just no. Um, I think it's a thankless task promoting gigs. You know, it's um, you know you work hard to get people there for the band, and then you know most of the time I've done it. You know, you're breaking even. It's not. Um, so I've sort of stayed away from that. Um, you know, I did a couple of factory nights. Um, I think it was the first time three factory bands who were on factory records have played together. Um, for about 20 years that we did that. And we got 200 people in. You think in Manchester, we should be getting 500 in. You know, we should be. Doing. So I just, and then I did a couple of nights on Record Store Day where I put um, bands on. But, you know, it, it, it was okay. I enjoyed it. But, you know, it's a lot of work for, you know, for, for no return. So I've sort of kept away from that. Now it's mainly just, I think mainly the, the, the plan now is to concentrate on the label. Um and try and get that going, you know. And obviously, I'm still working on ideas with t-shirts. We do t-shirts with certain designers, like I mentioned before. We've just done this NHS Manchester t-shirt, um, you know. And we did a factory uh, 40th anniversary t-shirt re- recently as well. So yeah, just little things like that. You know, I've, I've always got about ten ten things on the back burner. You know, ready to go. What you know. Do you not do no like collaborations with like you know some of the people you work with? You never suggested that to any of those. Yeah, I've done. I did one with um. I don't know if you've heard of the street artist called Manx. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, I've seen bits and yeah, parts of it. Yeah, you see bits floating around town. But no, we've done a. Um, we did a, um, a a free giveaway. I did a single, and, and there was a print as well, a Manxy print that we put. You know, we did do things like that. I do t-shirts with Trevor Johnson. Um, a few plans. He does sort of a lot of the artwork on the on the vinyl, on the vinyl sleeves for the label. So yeah, it's uh, but. No, I'm, I'm always open to, you know, for people to work with, with people as well. It's uh, just having the time, really, you know. But 
and that's what I realised with the shot being short. Um, you know how much time you've got. Yeah, we're doing something in a um, couple of weeks with you know the dust junkies. Yeah, we're doing like a collaboration with one of their t-shirts, and they're doing some. Uh, they're releasing like a an album remix album, I think, and they're doing like a merchandise bundle. So they've asked us to do the t-shirt for that. So that should be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I did a t-shirt with Marcus Reed as well uh, a couple of years ago. That that did really well. Which one you was know, that? It was a Liam Gallagher image. Oh yeah, I said it's good that one. Yeah, it's cool that. Um, he's, he's in, I've always wanted to do the Cool on Loop. That's one of my favourite films, and he, he's done a really good Cool on Loop print as well. So it was an idea to do a T-shirt of that. But you just work, you just move on to other ideas, and I, I go back to ideas like that. You see, once I get a bit of space, a bit of time. Yeah, I remember when we went to the shop. I don't, um, you, you mentioned you had a few run-ins with Oki uh, <laughs> over the years. I just wondered if you met with him now. Yeah. Well, he, he wore our T-shirt, but that wasn't. Um, you know the story behind that. I hope he's forgiven because it was nothing to do with me originally. You know, it was uh, it was just something he assumed I had something to do with, and I didn't, to be honest. Yeah, but he had our t-shirt on on um, the Manchester t-shirt on for the uh, United We Stream Hacienda thing at weekend. So, <laughs> so, so someone added it, telling it was me who designed it. Already uh, forgiven me, so one of the two. <laughs> I think he's uh he's lynch. I, I posted something on a camera, but I reckon he he lynched me or something for something. I don't know. I didn't know what I'd done to be honest with you. Uh, no, I mean I, th- I think it's a shame he's not with the new order because to me it's not the same band without him. You know, it's and I find that with any band. You yeah. Know, if I want to go and see a band, I want to see the original lineup. Yeah. It's kind of before we wrap it up. What what are your plans for the future? I know you said you're kind of uncertain really with the um with what's going on, especially at the minute and that because we don't I suppose we don't really know what the yeah what I can't the, really plan um but. You know, it's. I've done 22 years of retail, and I'm at the point I'm thinking, is that enough? Yeah. um, But I'm institutionalised as well. Now, as much as I moan about going into the shop, I'd probably miss it if I didn't. Um, You know, it's like the things you take for granted. It's like now, you know, I'm missing football, both playing still, and, you know, watching it. I'm missing going to the pub. So it's hard to say, but I think the, the main thing to do is is to maybe increase the merch side of stuff I do and obviously do more collaborations, um, more ideas on shirts and keep the label and increase the label, the production on the label, really. Because I've always got ideas. There's always people I know. Um, I just I think it's it's always easier as well to go back to using stuff that's already been released before or, you know, recordings that are out there rather than, you know, getting yourself involved with new bands because, we're streaming now. It's you know, there's no not a lot of sales on new stuff on new releases, especially you know on heard bands. You know, I've tried that in the past with with bands who I thought were fantastic bands, but if you don't get airplay and you don't get um, the promotion, you know, they're not touring, relentlessly touring, you struggle with sales. So yeah, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be looking at mainly getting the back catalogue going on the uh, on the label. I think the will always potentially be a, a market for vinyl. I mean, it's, it's made a bit of a comeback on it over the years, but it's just whether or not it can be overly profitable, I suppose. If you do limited editions, you tend to do okay. Um, but what, what I've found is, even though there's been a slight, you know, it's, it's never been a major increase. It's been a gradual increase over the last 10 years, and it's gone from something like 0.5% of the market to about 6% of the market. You know, 6% of any market is still not, you know, a significant number. Um, but you've also, on the other hand, you've had the big decrease in sales of CDs. So it, it doesn't even balance itself out, really. And yeah. that's one of the reasons why I started to diversify years ago on what stock I sell. 
Um, but yeah, they, but there's, there's always been a good, healthy second-hand market. Yeah, I mean, know. there's something about vinyl, isn't there? You know, it's... Yeah, there's something magical about it that people will, will always, you know, seek it out, you know, if they're into a certain band. So I think that the, the, the longevity of it is, is pretty good on the second-hand. Um, it's whether how long the major labels keep them. Yeah. Um, pushing it as well, because it's them that have increased the... Uh, the figures anyway, jumping back on the bandwagon because it was all the small independent labels that kept it going. Major labels didn't want to know about vinyl 10 years ago. And all of a sudden they do, you know, they, they got heavily involved in records all day, which they weren't involved with, you know, at six, even six to seven years ago. So, Yeah, I mean, was, was CDs ever as collectible as vinyl? I mean, I know a lot of people did, did buy them. I mean, my dad had heaps of CDs. He had records as well, but I kind of got rid of all my CDs, but I've never got rid of my vinyl. Yeah, well... CDs are throwaway. You know, it's surprising. We think we were paying £14 a CD when they first came out. You know, and you find out years later they cost literally pennies to make. You know, it's, it shows how you was had over by the music industry if you bought CDs when they first got released. <laughs> you know, and they, they told you they'd last forever. I mean, it was the advert where they would show, show someone's made in jam on it and then wiping off and it still played. You know, it's the rubbish. <laughs> you know, it's like marketing that don't play. So, yeah, I think it was uh, the false advertising. I know, definitely though. Right, Colin, thanks for coming on anyway. It's been great talking to you. And um, we'll get you some links and that on and and let everyone obviously know how to find you who doesn't already. Um, So if you let me know any links or anything you want adding, then just give me a shout and we'll stick them all on for you. Yeah, no, just um, email over the links and I'll uh, I'll get on social media and share it anyway. Okay, mate. All right, pal. Right, great speaking to you. Okay, take care now. Right, cheers, mate. Thank you.